When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Don't worry about that baby. I love babies, though. I love babies. I hear that baby crying. I like I like it. What a baby. What a beautiful baby. Actually, I was only kidding. You can get the baby out of here. I don't think I've ever met him. I never met him. I don't think I've ever met him. You would know it if you did, I think you? so. Yeah, I think so. Three times he asked, at one point, if we have them, why can't we use them? I've had a beautiful, I've had a flawless campaign. You'll be writing books about this campaign. Put this in the long, long list of things that are very unusual in the 2016 race. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who, Jesus, where do I even start today? Wonders why we don't use nuclear weapons, attacks the families of fallen war heroes, picks fights with fire marshals, the NFL, and crying babies. That's right, I'm talking about the full-sized crying baby, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg, back in the studio with my jaw on the floor at what appears to be my subject's full-scale mental meltdown. At the moment, the question isn't whether Trump might possibly win. It's whether someone this obviously unhinged can even make it 96 days until the election. Another question is whether the Republican Party can make it for 96 more days with him at the top of the ticket. We can't really go on like this. Something's got to give. I've got a great guest to talk about that today. He may, in fact, be responsible for driving Trump crazy in the first place back in the 1980s by satirizing his symptoms in Spy magazine. But first, let's hear the latest crazy tweets. Little Michael Bloomberg, who never had the guts to run for president, knows nothing about me. His last term as mayor was a disaster. Crooked Hillary Clinton made up facts about me and forgot to mention the many problems of our country in her very average scream. Hillary Clinton should not be given national security briefings. She is a loose cannon with extraordinarily bad judgment and instincts. CNN will soon be the least trusted name in news if they continue to be the press shop for Hillary Clinton. People believe CNN these days almost as little as they believe Hillary. That's really saying something. I was at Fox News and met Juan Williams in passing. He asked if he could have a picture taken with me. I said fine. He then trashed me on air. My guest today is Kurt Anderson. He's a novelist. He's a host of the radio show Studio 360 and the podcast. He used to be my boss when he was the editor of New York Magazine 
And before that, he was the founder and co-editor of Spy Magazine, where he, many readers of the show will be familiar with, coined the term short-fingered vulgarian to describe Donald Trump. Kurt, welcome to Trumpcast. I, I'm happy to be here. It took, it took you so long to get me here. Yeah. And by the way, it, the coinage of short-fingered vulgarian was a group thing. It's not just me. Of course. Yes. Unlike Donald Trump, you don't take credit for everything. Not everything. So it did take a long time to get, get you here. I've been saving you for the proper moment to really try to crack the psychological case that is Donald Trump. And I think this week, when he seems to be in full meltdown mode, full mad narcissistic explosion mode. Yeah. It's the time to ask you, what's going on? Well, I, I have said for a long time that what the way he carries on looks like a kind of mental disorder to me. I mean, even before he was running for president, the, the thing that I found most singular about him was his need for attention and publicity. 30 years ago, I, I had never seen anything like that. I mean, everybody likes a little publicity and people in the public eye movie stars, all kinds of people, you know, that's what it, partly what it's about. But the voracious, junkie-like need for it that he had, good publicity, bad publicity, all publicity, always struck me as strange. And, and now, of course, running for president, he has never had more intensive attention paid, more publicity. It is like a cascading, you know, nuclear meltdown <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I mean, people now are talking about diagnoses of narcissistic personality disorder and others. I don't care really what the what the DSM five would call his mental disorder. He is mentally disordered, and we're seeing it in full, out of control efflorescence this week. And and to the point of, we, we read today that the grown-ups, Newt Gingrich, Reince Priebus, and uh, Giuliani are going to stage an intervention. I mean, <laughs> multiple people staging interventions. Isn't that a thing about addiction, mental illness, recovery? I mean, it, it, it couldn't be more extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, and with this question of what's wrong with him, you're right on the one hand. The, the, the fact there is clearly something seriously mentally ill about him sort of transcends the diagnostic question. On the other hand, this sort of kind of narcissism, be as clinical as you want about it, that he has is really fascinating because many of us have dealt with narcissists in our private life, but we deal with him in public life. Right. And he has this obsession about being on the media all the time. And I don't know if you saw this interview in the Washington Post that was just published with him where they published the transcript. This reporter, Phil Rucker, interviewed him and not necessarily that well. No, but it was the, a very yeah. softball yeah. interview. But the striking thing about the interview is Trump has the TV on in the background and he's clearly paying no attention to the interview and paying all the attention to whether his face is on the TV. The shows. And he describes him, this reporter describes him like five times in quite a short interview, basically losing his thread because he's watching himself on TV. No, it's yet another scene, you know, the 189th of this Donald Trump campaign that were it in a film about a character, you'd go, come on. That is just crazy. Yeah, that's funny and surreal, but it's so over the top. That can't be true. But clearly it is true. And again, I don't think there's any strategy involved in, oh, I'm going to uh, refuse to endorse uh, Paul Ryan or, or John McCain or, oh, I mean, yes, I suppose he can tell himself rationally, oh, this worked for me. This got me the nomination. Why should I stop now? And 
Presumably, he does say that to himself sometimes at moments of cogency. But basically, it's just, I'm going to strike back. And I'm going to strike back at Mr. Khan. I'm going to strike back at Paul Ryan. I'm going to strike back at anybody who, who attacks me in any sense. And Cry, A crying baby interrupting me. The cry, well, again, I mean, that was the 187th version that you would reject in a film. The crying baby interrupting me and, and, and obviously being upset about that. I mean— I just don't see how anybody can deny that uh, there there is a mental illness going on here. And it's not as though he, he's playing a, a character at this point. Of course he is, but this is who he is. And, and this phrase like he's unfit to be present because of his temperament, for a while that meant he was un-PC and those kinds of things. This is, to me, a step beyond that requires, if not hospitalization, certainly not a guy— I mean, my terror quotient about him, as they say, having the nuclear codes has gone significantly up in the last days and weeks. Right. That seems not like a just a joke anymore or, or, or a hyperbolic reaction. I mean, the Republicans thought they were nominating him for the presidency. He's actually running to win the overnight ratings. Well, exactly. I, I remember I, I listened back on Studio 360 the, the week that uh, – Trump announced I had my friend Lawrence O'Donnell on to talk about Donald Trump. You know, Lawrence has the show on MSNBC. He worked in the Senate, but he, he's also in show business himself, wrote for the West Wing. So I thought he was the perfect guy. And he said this thing that is so true that he – I mean, it turned out he is – he did get the nomination and we weren't wise enough to see that coming. But what Lawrence said and we talked about at the time was that he was running to be more famous. And, and that's exactly what he's doing. And And he doesn't – if he destroys the Republican Party as it now exists, he doesn't care at all about that. And I think the Republicans are finally terrifiedly beginning to see that themselves. You know, they thought, oh, you know, he'll he'll yeah, he'll pick the Supreme Court justices we want. That's well, what, that's what matters. And, and that's all that matters. But I I feel like the cons thing and this week. I have never been one to say, okay, it's over. I didn't say that when he said, I don't like uh, John McCain. I, I didn't say it again and again. I do feel like perhaps this is the beginning of the final straw moment where the thing falls apart. As, you know, the Meg Whitmans of the world and, and sane, non-craven Republicans say, okay, forget it. I'm voting for Hillary or more than just, oh, I, I disapprove of certain unfortunate rhetoric. And it's starting to be the drip, drip, drip of the Republicans abandoning him. It was this Republican congressman from Syracuse and right. Meg Whitman. Today, Vin Weber, who's yes. not an active politician, but who's a very well-respected figure, kind of now we'd call him a moderate Republican. I think he used to be a crazed conservative. Well, and, and it's still it's still early. I mean, the guy, the, the congressman, Hannah, has already retired and, and was not part of right. the, the main right-wing caucus anyway. But it does seem like it's making it a lot easier for – the Republicans I know and grew up with in the Midwest to say, yeah, okay, I've been given permission to not only not vote, but to vote for Hillary Clinton. I, I, I just think I don't see how he turns this around. Now, I mean, after this intervention by Newt Gingrich and Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> by maybe, other crazy people. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, maybe he will, but uh, – They're they're like – it's like a DSM-5 convention. I mean it's like what's – you know, yeah, these guys what's all – <laughs> What's your diagnosis? <laughs> they it's could true. sit around and compare notes or they could maybe get a wholesale deal on some therapy. Yeah. And people talk about various scenarios that I, I'm not buying that, oh, he, he leaves the race somehow. However, if it's now beyond – hyperbole and metaphor and, oh, he's nuts. Oh, he's crazy. 
and really gets into the realm of, no, he kind of is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, a health exemption could be called. With the, with the, with the, you think the part – I mean, one theory is that he is somehow sabotaging himself right. because deep down he knows he's not qualified to be president. Right. And what he really wants is an excuse for losing or Correct. a way out. Do you buy that at all? I, well – I don't think it's in any conscious way true. I don't think, oh, my God, I'm not qualified to be president. Let me mess it up for myself. People have been saying that since last fall. I don't buy that. I do think, though, when, as he did this week, started talking more about, oh, the election's rigged. And and Paul Manafort, his guys, saying uh, similar things. He's clearly uh, he's setting up that scenario, which is— perhaps his preferred scenario in some way, that he gets to continue being the great victim of the rigged system if he loses and and setting up that as an explanation, which, of course, is dangerous in its own right in terms of equipping and arming his base to believe that Hillary Clinton, should she be elected president, is another illegitimate president, even if she was born in the United States. Right. But I mean, if you're if you're a narcissist like Trump and you win, 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 and your whole identity is winning, the alternative yeah. to winning is to be cheated. Correct. Right. You can't. It's lose. the only alternative. You can't say it was a fair fight and I lost. You can only say it was rigged and stolen from me, which he seems to be setting himself up to do. And, and he's already he's already setting himself up to just deny the metrics and, and suggest that the polling is part of the rigged system. You're exactly right. There's only one option. I am a winner or or in this case, a martyr, which he's never quite been before. That will be a new <laughs> a new Donald Trump uh, uh, symptomology. A new incarnation. But let's go back to your other scenario, which is sort of intriguing, uh, which is the party at some point says, this guy is obviously sick. We have to step in here. I mean, this is, again, in the category of novel ideas of yours that I reject because they're too ridiculous but could actually happen this week. Yes. But, like, play that out a little bit. Well, I mean, again, we've never seen anything like it, but, okay, I I don't think we have to say that anymore. We've never (laughs) seen anything like any of this. One could imagine one of these stream-of-consciousness public speeches that goes beyond what Trump has done, beyond what Warren Beatty did as Bullworth, and get into true kind of <laughs> madness. I mean, and I guess that would be the time when they go, whoa, that's just crazy. Short of that, I, I mean, it's hard to imagine them uh, just getting together and, and finding some shrinks to say, yeah, no, the guy's nuts, and and saying, let's create a whole new set of rules to nominate somebody else, because there obviously is no apparatus by which that happens. Speaking of novels that could happen, of course, I was thinking— to the degree that the diehard realists are saying, well, all that matters, yeah, he's terrible, yeah, he's this, yeah, he's nuts, he's unstable. But we got that Supreme Court seat, at least one, <laughs> probably more. So if he wins, they, they let him win and then appoints their guy and, and somehow arrange his death shortly thereafter. And Mike Pence becomes president and they're, they're happy. So that's, that's the novel. <laughs> I like that. Um, I buy, I'll buy that one. Uh, the, the other scenario, which is a little less dramatic, is that Republicans – want to save themselves. Yeah. And some of these Republicans in tight races in swing states like Kelly, Iod, and New Hampshire. Right. So at some point, the idea that I'm better off getting the Trump supporters to the polls and sacrificing the swing voters is backwards. I've got to try to capture the the people who aren't going to vote for Trump and and really separate from him and not just like criticize what he says, but unendorse him and say, I'm effectively on the ticket with Hillary. And they're entirely in terror incognito in doing that because, of course— to the degree they start doing that, they, they are going to alienate some of his 
voters. And in a place like New Hampshire, that could very well be the difference between victory and, and defeat for Kelly Ayotte. So, and if you're Kelly Ayotte or people presumably with some sense of dignity and decency beyond just wanting to win, you think, well, who knows which way that will play? Will it be a wash with the swing voters I uh, attract versus the Trump voters I lose? But if I lose, at least I'll go down looking like a good person. Uh, Choosing country over party. I mean, it'd be nice if one Republican who actually is anticipating being in another election, Lindsey Graham, John McCain, I mean, these people who hate Donald Trump with a blind passion, but still are technically supporting him. I mean, it'd be nice if one of them would pull the plug. I know. And well, and of course, that was the thing that was so disappointing about John McCain so long. And he's gotten, you know, he went half a step closer this week in, in condemning Trump without revoking his his endorsement. But I think also the ones who, who say, oh, well, it'll just keep us the majority party if he wins and, and he'll get the Supreme Court. But beyond the fact that he could somehow ruin America and, and the world in so many ways because he's unstable and stupid, I, I have to think that the most real politic of the Republicans have to be saying at this point – if he's elected, it's going to be terrible for us because he because it's going to be a disaster and he will ruin the Republican. The Republican Party will be over. But they're not thinking about the collective interests of the Republican Party or the conservative movement. No, they're, so they're they're, about, am I going to win? They're saving themselves. Right. So they don't want to be. I mean, you know, I think we're going to have this de-Trumpification after the election, but they don't want to be the white rose. They don't want to be in the briefcase plot because you might <laughs> die doing that. They Here want, comes the Hitler analogy. They want to be. I, you said it. I didn't. But um, the uh, well, I said it. Um, but they want to be in the position saying, "Boy, I spoke out against him. Uh, I absolutely. was. I was really. I didn't stand for any of that." But yeah. They don't want to. But they're not really willing to take that last step. Well, and again, I hate giving any shred of anything to Ted Cruz, but he, for for all of his in all of his semi glick terrible ways has taken a risk. Right. And and he's already paid some kind of price by being booed at his own convention. Yeah, I mean, he did that quite consciously. Right? Sure. He made a point. He staged that so he would get booed, which on the one hand is quite manipulative. On the other hand, he's placed his bet. He thinks the guy who has the clip of being booed at the 2016 Republican right. convention could be the hero of the 2020 convention. And I'll go that far with him. I I'll mean, go that far with him. And then, of course, he'll lose, too, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in 2020. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, I want to hear reporting about the sooner the better about Trump now and the people around him. I mean, is it I know we know he doesn't drink, but is it at the point of Nixon being final drunk, days, yeah. <laughs> final days and talking to paintings? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, you know, there was this other report today that the people around him and I think it named Paul Manafort are suicidal. Yes. And my reaction was, please do jump. <laughs> yeah. you know, do us yeah. all a favor. And at some point, I, I and of course, this has been true for a long time, but it's going to become more true every day, it seems to me, certainly if the poll numbers keep going down, that the people who are still around him, let alone the Paul Ryans of the world, are just going to – they're going to realize that it's just bad for their own reputations and careers in a very selfish way the, to be the people in the bunker when, when the end comes. I don't know. I think it's like um, – it, it's at an inflection point right now. I mean like it could either by the end of the week, his but, campaign yeah. could be over yeah, yeah. or we're, it's going to settle down a little yeah. bit. He can't – that this pitch cannot be maintained. No, and yeah, I think either it, it's like, oh, he's, he's – in some way he's – He's righted the ship, and there are then a couple, three more 
oh my god, it's a disaster comeback. That, that that's the that's the next three months. It's right. just another. It, it's got to be the end now, and, and that's more probable than yeah. the 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 campaign's over. But my god, I mean. Uh, yeah, and well, then it's just his war with the press. Everything's being well, and distorted. Again, we, we didn't even get into the. I mean, there's so much shit now. Like the made up out of whole fucking cloth NFL letter from the NFL. Yeah. Like, wait, they'll just say they didn't, and they did a minute later. You know, you, you lied, and then, uh, uh, and again, there's so much that he really can't be held to account because it's like no no, no wait you no i because he's already on to a new you're lie. on to a new outrage no i <laughs> yeah. know we did this thing in in slate you know i think it was 141 disqualifying things yeah. trump has yeah, done yeah, said. Yeah. and within a week we were up over 160 yeah. you know and any one of these things would disqualify someone else but in a way that's worked to his advantage right because hillary clinton there's, correct there's, there's, she has one liability which is the email right. and you hear about it a thousand correct. times he has a thousand things that you hear about one time because this is a new one every 15 well minutes. Well said. That's precisely correct. Uh, well, no, she has Benghazi too. Jacob, come on. <laughs> uh, again, we're, we're leaving off NATO and Putin. I mean. And, yeah, and the fact that he supports Putin policy and he came around to it after hiring two people who are essentially Putin paid flunkies. And again, one doesn't want to fall into the conspiracism of America and Republicans these days. But my God, imagine if the shoe were on the other feet. I mean, yeah, of course, it's maybe just optics and maybe it's circumstantial, but fucking eh. <laughs> no, the the Russia thing, I don't think is circumstantial yeah. in, in any way. I don't way. either. Yeah. Because I think that that's the thing. He is so simple in his policies and beliefs. It's either like this person was nice to me or there's something in it for me financially or this is just my drunk guy at the bar feeling about ISIS. I mean, he's he's very simple. So that's the thing. He, it's not like I know. I don't believe he's literally GRU KGB agent, but uh, no. But his his only investors are Russian oligarchs, and he now reflects the worldview of Russian oligarchs. I know. He ended up hiring a foreign policy advisor who's also an advisor to Gazprom. Yes. Putin and Paul Manafort, who worked for the Ukrainian and, uh, outlet and, of Putinism. And their predecessors for the last 40 years, 30 years. Uh, so no. who do you get your recommendations from? Who do you get your ideas from? I, I, mean, I mean, this is in the Completely. air around him. It's not in the air around anybody else that's, running that's for true. president. That's true. And that's the thing. I, I mean, I mean, it seems to me the Republicans must be seeing now like, oh, whatever. They thought like, OK, we'll get him elected and then he'll just quit the monkey business and we can give him, you know, put Jim Bakers around him and we'll be fine. <laughs> And it's got to be becoming clearer to them that that's not really the way this guy works. You know, if he can't even see his way to saying, yeah, I support the Speaker of the House's reelection, I mean, when is he going to start doing what you tell him to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that was just classic, right? Because he was just giving Ryan's line back to him. Which I'm, was actually kind of brilliant. Was, yeah. Like, that That was wittier than I gave uh, Donald Trump <laughs> credit for. Yeah. But, but maybe not the best move because it certainly sets Ryan up. I mean, Ryan must be exercising tremendous personal self-control, not to say so, what, you know what, I was there and I'm not there anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and again, that, that may change. Beyond whether he, he 
you know, anybody believes the election was rigged in a literal, fraudulent, falsified uh, votes way, um, he can make the case that, oh, I just pissed off the establishment. Well, yeah, that's right. what you did. Yeah. And, and, and I proved that the Republican establishment is really in league with the Democratic establishment. Yeah, because we're all sane people <laughs> and fuck you. But, yeah. you know, he'll have a point. At the end of the day, sane people have more in common with each other yes. than insane Republicans yes. have with sane Republicans. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But – my God. I mean, it's, it used to be like, oh, what did Trump do this week? Then it was, what did Trump do yes, you know, in the last few days? Then it was, what did Trump do today? Now, literally, it's like, oh, I, I, what? I, I, I wasn't <laughs> online. I missed the baby thing an hour ago. You know, you, it's, ca- you it's can't keep you can't keep up with it. You can't. I need a I need a I need a like in, a neurological implant that will just uh, <laughs> feed new Trump outrage directly to my brain. All right, we're working on that. Well, in the meantime, thank, thank you. you for joining me on my the pleasure. show. That's it for today's show. Our sane and competent producer is Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. He, too, has all his marbles. Andy Bowers, our chief content officer, is playing with a full deck for sure. Hey, have you left us a rating and review in iTunes? Please do. It helps people discover the show. Until next time, I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. That's it. That's all the news. Now get that screaming baby out of here. No more babies in my rallies. I have to tell you, I don't like babies. I don't like children. Frankly, I don't like people. But definitely no screaming babies. You got that? Get that kid out of here.